It's all connected. This is the RussJohnson.com podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Y'all, it's all connected. Hey, I'm Russ Johnson. Glad you're here. This is going to be a good one today. I've really been looking forward to this one because I've listened to John Russell, who is a renowned psychic, has been on multiple radio programs featured in the Huffington Post, Boston Herald, Los Angeles Times, and where I heard him the most, he's had eight appearances on the George Norrie program, Coast to Coast AM. He's been doing this for decades. And you know, I've had some good experiences with real psychics, and I've also been scammed. But this guy's the real deal. John knows his stuff. He knows all about the paranormal world. He understands how this stuff works. He's been a psychic since he was six years old. Yeah. What I'm most interested in is where these people come from, their mindsets, what they experience when they're doing these things. And I dove right in with John, and he was open to tell me all about it when I asked him where he was from. I was born in Carlsbad, New Mexico, and almost immediately whisked back to Texas. And I grew up in West Texas in San Angelo, spent most of my adult life there. So mom, dad, brothers, sisters? Uh, My stepdad, actually, which I found out I was adopted when I was, I guess, close to 20, somewhere around in there. And uh, my mother, I had a half-sister. I uh, had a grandmother, never knew my grandfather, uh, didn't know any of my other grandparents, only knew my uh, my grandmother, and uh, that was that was about the extent of my family. Were you brought up uh, in any particular religion, or was it just no religion, or what? Uh, yeah, we were brought up uh, Christian. We were brought up in the Presbyterian Church. Yeah, and uh, we were well, starts. Staunch church goers. We were there every time the door was open. Me too. And man. my I was mother, a Southern Baptist, but yeah, I was oh, there, there you every go. time the there doors were open. So you know, Presbyterians and and, and Southern Baptists are very similar in a lot of ways. They are, yeah, they are. And then my mother actually taught uh, an adult Sunday school class in the church. What age did you discover that you were psychic? Was it young? Uh, yes, it was when I was. Um, between five and six years old, I was oh, about wow. five, five and a half. Holy yeah. moly! What was that about? Yeah. Well, I was um, in my bed, sound asleep, and it was uh, late at night. And I, I, you know, it was past midnight. I could tell when I woke up because all of a sudden I woke up from a sound sleep, and I was absolutely, totally, completely, instantly wide awake, no grogginess, no drowsiness, and I thought, well, this is weird. And I thought, well, maybe there was a noise outside, and that's what woke me up. So I just laid there in bed in the dark and just listened and didn't hear anything. So I raised up on my elbows in bed just to look around my room, and down the hallway was the bathroom and a door going into the uh, dining room. And my parents had left a nightlight on and and so I could see to get up at night go to the bathroom or whatever. So I had the nightlight glow coming into my bedroom to illuminate it a little bit. And I just kind of raised up on my elbows and looked around like, well, what in the world is going on? And as I looked out my open bedroom door and looked down the hallway around the, uh, the door frame going into the dining room, there was this elderly black gentleman peering around the doorway at me. And I screamed bloody murder because my family was white. We didn't have anyone black living with us. I don't even think we had black friends at the time. So my assumption as a child was someone that I don't know is broken into the house. And we have this intruder. So that's why I screamed bloody murder. And when I did, the elderly black man walked around the door frame, walked down the hallway toward my bedroom, his eyes locked on me. And I knew he was elderly because he had close cropped white hair and he had a white mustache. And he was every bit as solid, Russ, as you or I. He wasn't translucent, wasn't transparent. He was full-bodied. I can tell you the clothes he had on. He had on a long-sleeve red plaid flannel shirt. He had on a black belt, black shoes, tan khaki pants. And uh, he kept walking toward me. And as he did, I screamed bloody murder again. And my parents started to come running, finally. And as they did, he did begin to disappear, and he became 
kind of translucent, then he became transparent, and then he vanished. And by that time, my parents had gotten there, and uh, and I was was crying, screaming bloody murder. So there's someone in the house. There's someone in the house. And they said, no, no, you've just had a nightmare. And I said, no, I have seen someone in this house. There's someone in this house. Go look. And my mother held me, and I was crying. She was trying to comfort me. And my dad actually went through the house, went through all the rooms, looked in all the closets, looked under all the beds, checked all the doors and windows. And, of course, nobody was there in a physical body. And so I realized then I've just seen my first ghost. And trying to get back to sleep was now impossible because it was like, why did this guy come? Is he going to come back? Is he going to want to talk to me? Why did he come in the first place? Is he going to ask me to do something scary? What in the world is going on? So it was a lot of time spent for the next several days, maybe several weeks, having a hard time going to sleep and looking over my shoulder, wondering where the ghost was. And at some point, uh, I couldn't articulate it this way between the age of five and six, but intuitively, at a gut level, I understood that this guy, this ghost, had come to open up this portal to the other side, to the unknown, and I began to have these concrete, physical, paranormal manifestations occur frequently, almost daily sometimes. Oh, goodness, we had... uh, there were these invisible footsteps that I would hear. And these were things that I, it, it wasn't just me. My parents heard these things. My parents experienced these things and friends experienced these things. So all of these physical paranormal manifestations began. And like I said, being that young, I couldn't articulate it, but somehow intuitively I understood that that old black man had come to open up this portal to these paranormal manifestations And that for some reason, down the road, this was going to be tremendously important to me and tremendously important to other people in my life. So intuitively, I understood that. So I I made peace with that. And I was never frightened again. I was never scared again, no matter what happened. When did the next event happen? Oh, they were constant. There was just stuff going on all the time. There were apparitions. There were doors opening and closing by themselves. Uh, rocking chairs would move by themselves when no one was in them. There was no drafts, no pets around. Uh, all, all of these things began to happen. And my parents would witness a lot of these things, and they were just, just continuous. And somewhere close to around six then, I guess, um, I found out that I had developed uh, this, became aware of the psychic gift as well as these paranormal manifestations. And the way that occurred I was out in the backyard playing with a toy and uh, this car pulled into the driveway and I I didn't recognize the car and I didn't recognize the people. And unbeknownst to me, they were friends of my parents, but I had never met them. So I ran inside and I told my parents, I said, there's, there's a car in the driveway. I don't know who these people are. And I said, okay, we'll come out and look. So they walked outside and they said, oh, these are friends of ours. And I said, okay, whatever. And so they got out of the car and they were standing on the sidewalk talking to my mom and dad before they went in the house and, I was goofing around with my toy and I walked over and just stood there and stared up at him. And I interrupted the conversation and I said, you folks have just been on vacation and you took that car that's sitting in the driveway. You drove that car and you have two children. They're not with you today, but you have two kids and you took them with you in that car on vacation. And you stayed at this hotel that had this many floors and it was painted this color and there was these uh, odd-looking trees at regular intervals out front, and then the back was the pool area, and it was painted this color. And the the woman's husband was kind of had this weird kind of grin on his face, and he was looking at his wife and at my parents and at me like, "What's going on?" And she was looking at me. Her jaw was literally agape. Her eyes were literally bugged out. She was looking at me like I had cobras growing out of my ears. And she looked at my my parents, and she she said, "How the hell?" Could he possibly know this? And my mother was kind of flustered. And she said, oh, well, you know, kids and their imaginations. And she goes, no, no, no. This this is not kids and their imaginations. How the hell could he possibly know this? And my parents didn't know what to say. And she said, we just went on vacation. We drove that car. We took our two kids. The hotel we stayed at was exactly like John described. How the hell is this possible? How the hell could he possibly know this? 
and my parents were very flustered and they said, John, go play. And I said, okay, nice to meet you folks. And I ran off and they went and visited with my parents, but they never came back. I guess I scared them to death. <laughs> so that was when I discovered that I could see into people's lives, that I could tell where they had been, what they had been doing, their emotions, their thought processes. And then as an outgrowth of that, I learned that I could begin to accurately predict their futures. And so that was, that was a mind boggling. Now, what age was this again? Right about six. Six years old. And you're recognizing all this stuff. Man, are you special? Yeah. For a six year old even know. Wow. Yeah. I don't even know how to wrap my head around that. I, I was still carrying around a little toy monkey. When I was like well, I was too, but I was telling people's futures. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. So obviously you see them, but do you feel and hear them too? Yeah. Uh, the uh, the manifestations occur a number of ways. A lot of time it's through an inner sight. Sometimes it's literally through visual sight, visual manifestations, uh, auditory manifestations, both inward and outward. I will literally hear voices physically uh, with my with so, physical hearing. Okay. Yeah. So hearing. let's yeah. take the first time that happens when you hear something. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like? Were you, you, you still were not startled. You knew what it was. I knew what it was. The only time in my life I was ever frightened was when I saw the elderly black gentleman. And that's because I was a young kid and I thought an intruder had broken in. And uh, since the manifestations occurred so frequently, and other people witnessed them as well, uh, I, that's how I grew up, and I came to be at peace with them. And like I said, I couldn't articulate it at the time, being so young, but I began to understand that, okay, these things are not going to hurt me. Somehow down the road, they're going to help me, and somehow down the road, they're going to help me to help other people. And so I got that understanding and uh, it was just a, a process of that's how I grew up. And it was a it was a wonderful thing. What did your friends think about it? Well, there was mixed reactions um, for the most part, uh, especially as a as a young boy in school. You didn't share that with friends because you would be made fun of. You would be castigated. You would be verbally abused, sometimes physically abused. Uh, people were afraid of it. They didn't believe in it. They didn't want to hear it. And um, I remember one time on the playground in elementary school, we were playing dodgeball. And I, I felt this energy course through me. And as one of the, the guys on the opposing team, you know, those hard red rubber balls that we played dodgeball with in elementary school, oh, yeah. as he was chunking one of those our way, I felt this energy course through me and I held my hands up toward it and directed this energy toward it. And it stopped in midair and fell to the ground. And there were several kids that saw this and one of them went like, holy cow, what did you do? And the other one was like, did you see that? Did you see what he did? And then there were other kids that were immediately like, no, 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 nothing happened. It was just the wind. And the other kids that saw it were like, there's no wind. It's still, there's, there's no wind. There was no gust. There was no, nothing to stop it. And they're like, ah, oh, it's not, nothing happened. You know, they, they just did not want to accept it. They did not want to deal with it. They did not want to recognize that there was something outside of the normal there. And even the kids that saw it and admitted that they saw me do something and that something physically happened, that made them leery. They were like, what, how can this guy do this? What in the world's going on here? Especially back then, because you didn't even talk about this stuff. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, especially in the church, you certainly didn't talk about it in the church church at all because it was demonic. It was of the devil. It was malevolent. It was whatever this. What's your feeling about that now? Well, you know, unfortunately it's, it's kind of coming back that way again, where people are very resistant. Uh, to psychic Why do you think that is? I thought they were opening up. It's it, resistance. Huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I had for a while people did kind of open up, and now me and a lot of other people have observed that uh, people are kind of getting resistant again to the idea of psychics and the paranormal manifestations to things going on. You know what? So it's probably related to a bunch of phonies because there are so many people who claim yeah. to be able to do yeah. this. And I've had some really good experiences way back starting. Do you, do you remember a lady named Sharon Capehart? Uh, not off the top of my head. No. She was, she did the radio uh, circuit for quite a, 
quite a number of years back in the early nineties. But anyway, she, she impressed me so much, but then I've had since then multiple experiences that some good and most not yeah. most people would just yeah. claim to have, you know, these experiences, oh, which brings me to a question about, um, I've noticed that a lot of psychics today start their readings with tarot cards. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought I had always thought anyway until recently that being psychic meant it was a more of an intuitive type thing that didn't require those type tools. But it seemed like almost every psychic that I come in contact with now are using tarot cards. Is there a reason behind that? And do you use them? I do. I've, I've used them since I was uh, around 12, 13, 14 years old. And I'm also a fine artist and a photographer. And so I love the artistic aspect of the tarot, and I believe they also have uh, they have an inherent ability, uh, a paranormal ability to facilitate uh, a psychic understanding and to make predictions. See how how this is the thing that gets me. I, I um, I've actually had people try to explain this to me mm-hmm. as if um, the spirit is intervening in the cards to put them in wherever they need to be at that moment. Right. How do you describe that exactly? What? How do you think this is working? Tarot cards to me, like when I played cards, right. I've lost a lot of money playing regular <laughs> cards. And you think of the chance of the cards, right? right? That's, right. that's the thing right. that, that people are telling me. You got to get past that type thinking. Well, yeah, because you know when you're playing cards, you're gambling, and that's that's mostly chance. Although luck does intervene for some people sometimes, but when you're using a spiritual tool whether it's tarot cards or a crystal ball or dowsing rods or a pendulum or a Ouija board, whatever, you are connecting with a spiritual energy, a spiritual intelligence, a spiritual power that will therefore order that, uh, that particular implement you're using to, uh, to be able to communicate accurate information And when you're going back to talking about, you know, a lot of people use tarot cards. I don't have to, I do, but I don't have to. Uh, I can, I can sit down without any, uh, apparatus or, or objects or anything at all, any tools at all, uh, just myself and, and the middle of rush hour on the Brooklyn bridge and do an accurate reading. I don't have to have those things, but when I was growing up, um, I never put limits on myself. And I said, okay, I'm going to learn the tarot. I'm going to learn how to use a Ouija board. I'm going to learn how to use a crystal ball. I'm going to learn how to use ruins. I'm going to learn how to use a pendulum. I'm going to learn how to use dowsing rods. And on and on and on and on. I didn't, I refused to put limits on myself. I wanted to explore everything and utilize everything. And I discovered that I could use those tools and I could also do the readings without the tools. So the tools were kind of an adjunct to what I did. And uh, sometimes I use them, sometimes I don't. I don't have to use them, but sometimes I find that they facilitate certain things. And uh, Russ, I have to tell you, boy, do I agree with you about the phonies and the frauds and the cons out there because there's a ton of them. And uh, that's one of the things I've had to do is rescue people and enlighten them to this and, and deliver them from these people over the years. Yeah, and that's going to continue to be a problem yeah, as long as yeah, it's so easy for anybody yeah. just to jump in there. There's no real test anyway, right, so right, you know, right. I guess the only real test is to get a reading from them, and then yeah. What I always tell people, I say, look, you know, a good psychic, if they're reputable, they should have a website, which I do. On that website, they should have their qualifications, their credentials, their experience, which I do. They should have uh, enough client testimonials. Uh, to make sense for you to say, okay, this, this guy's read for enough people and they've uh, had satisfaction with this guy. On my website, I have over 80 client testimonials. I have media testimonials. I've appeared on radio for a number of years, decades. And I have testimonials from the media that I've been on where people have, have said, you know, this guy's the real deal. You know, our people call in, he gives them accurate readings. They call us back and say, hey, his predictions happened, his insights were valid, so on and so forth. So there are ways to check people out and to get references from people and to make sure that they, you know, are legitimate. And, um, you know, then like you say, you can also, after all of that, you say, okay, I feel like this person uh, is legitimate. I feel like they have the credentials that I need to validate their gift. Uh, I'll, I'll do a reading with them and see how it works for me. And over the years, you know, what I've learned is there are people that um, 
they connect better with someone than with someone else. So you may have three, four, five psychics that they're all legitimate. They're all good. But, you know, maybe it's a personality thing and maybe someone connects better with me than they do with these other four. Or maybe they connect with one of them better than they do with me and, and the others. So that's yeah, that part makes of it. Sense. How long did it take you to hone your skills to get pretty good at it? Well, I started uh, doing paranormal investigations and research at the age of 11. I read everything that I could get my hands on in the realm of the psychic realm, paranormal psychology, parapsychology, the supernatural, because I wanted to find out what was real, what wasn't, what worked, what didn't. And with my gifts, what could I learn and how could I train my gift to make it ever better and ever more accurate and ever more helpful to people. And so I've been honing that. I'm 69 now. I turned 69 last month. And I've been honing that since the age of 11. That's amazing, man. And I've never stopped studying. I've never stopped practicing. I've never stopped learning. And uh, it's one of those things that you don't master anything ever. Nobody does. And uh, it's it's something that you just continue to learn. You can continue to grow. You continue to progress. And, you know, I've done this professionally since the age of 18. So I've been reading professionally for a worldwide clientele now. Uh, read for clients in over 40 countries and uh, since the age of 18. So I've done this for over 50 years. That's amazing. But I don't know it all. I'm still learning. I'm still practicing. I'm still growing. And that's what it takes. You have to dedicate your life to this and continue with it. Interestingly, I have taken a similar path. I call myself a spiritual guinea pig. There you go. Yeah, I think it's um, it's all connected. That's why I call my podcast. It's all connected. Every bit of it. Some people, for whatever reasons, have um, certain aspects of this, I'm for lack of better words, animal, yet God, right. source, whatever we call this thing. Right. I want to teach people and understand that the, the difference between white and black or right and wrong or good and bad are just opposite ends of the same continuum. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not disconnected from any of it. That's why I believe that people are scared of psychics for some reason. A lot of people are. You say yeah. they're getting even more frightened of them for whatever reason. And I don't think there's reason to be frightened of any of this stuff. You no, no, there's not the, um, you know, the, the knee jerk reaction that we have when we're confronted with something paranormal is mostly based on our religious upbringing. Because for example, in Christianity, the Bible teaches that there are paranormal events, but they're sanctioned by the Bible. And anything outside of that sanction is ergo, malevolent, demonic, dangerous, uh, satanic, whatever. Now, the, um, the reality is that all of these people that claim to have these horrific paranormal experiences and uh, the demonic things and the, I did a paranormal investigation and I was cursed. I was pushed. I was scratched. I was harmed whatever. I have never encountered any of that. I have done paranormal investigations since I was a teenager and I've done some very high profile things. You know, I shot a, a TV pilot for the history channel. We did uh, extensive paranormal investigation there and, and high profile historic places I've never experienced any of that. And the reason is that I go into a place and I go in respectfully. I go in respecting the energies, the spirits, the history, whatever is there. I don't challenge or provoke or curse the spirits that are there. I go in respectfully and I say, okay, this is who I am. This is why I'm here. What do you have to communicate to me? Is there anything you can help me with? Or is there anything I can help you with? What exchange of information do we need to have here? And I do that in a respectful way. And I get uh, a a great response and and great things. Now, a lot of these so-called ghost hunters on TV, it's been proven that they fake evidence, that they fake events. um, They go into something with the idea that everything's demonic, that everything's evil, that everything's... Well, malevolent. listen, that's just like all of television now. They, yeah. They fear sells, and that's what they're trying fear. to do. Yeah. I want you to okay. uh, clear up some definitions for me. Okay. What's the difference between a psychic and a channeler? Sure. Well, there's there's not really. Uh, you know, we, we it's just like used to 
uh, we, we said we were a spiritualist medium. And then as time progressed, now you're a channeler. It's the same thing. You're accessing the spiritual realm by the same energy. You're getting the same results. You're doing the same thing. But it seems like that due to the vagaries of, uh, you know, popularity as things progress, we have to upgrade our terminology and our nomenclature and we have to okay. call something different or better or whatever. And it's all the same thing. It's we've, we've all been doing the same thing all this whole time for all these years. So when you're in the psychic state of mind, yeah. do, you, do you feel like you're connected with a, a single entity or is it a group of entities or, or is it just an energy or what is it to you? Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all, all of the above. I communicate. I have, um, ever since I was a kid, I have this retinue of entities that are around me on the other side that have saved my life, guarded me, helped me, guided me, protected me. I call them affectionately my guys. And uh, there are guardian angels around me. There are people around me from the other side that have crossed over that want to get messages back. Uh, there are nature spirits. There are entities I don't even know what is. I don't even know how to explain or describe. So there is this huge, um, just well of energy and intelligence and beings that are around me that uh, it's all there and it's all there all the time. All the time. That was going to be my question. So what is the process to actually have communication with them? It's just there constantly. Um, I, I don't have to do anything special. It's always there. It's always turned on. I've never been able to turn it off, never wanted to turn it off. Because, like I say, that's the way I raised. It was normal. So it was helpful. What did they tell they you about me. this conversation? Did you ask about that, or did you not? Did, you don't ask them about most things you do, or you do ask them about most things you do. I, I rely upon them for continual guidance, for constant guidance. So, what did they say and, about meeting with me? Oh, they're they're happy to be there. They're they're happy. <laughs> they're happy with you. They're happy to be there, and they're happy with the path you're on. Oh, that's good to hear. We'll talk more about that. I have a few questions I want to ask you about there. But what's your biggest? Okay. Oh, wait a minute. I, I have another question about the different definitions um, uh, between a psychic sure. and an intuitive. Is that similar yeah. as well? Same thing. Same thing. Yeah, same thing. We just like to put all these labels on things, and I think ego gets in the way that people think if they're of this or if they're of that or if they're the other thing, they're better or more important or more skilled or what. It's all the same thing, you know. <laughs> you're, you're winding up and you're throwing the baseball, and there's only one way to do that. Let me ask you, when you say they're always around you, do you are you just yeah. are you just sensing the energy, or could you, like, turn your shoulder and see a shadow or something like that, or – Oh, there's, there's always physical paranormal manifestations around me. Not only do I sense the energy and sense their thoughts and sense their presences, they make themselves known physically quite frequently. What is your biggest brag? So, some big prediction you made that came true that maybe even I might recognize that became like, um, I don't know. You know uh, well, since I, was, um, since I was a kid, my, uh, my mother, just on a whim, Turned to me one day, and this was, was when Kennedy was, was running, JFK for president. And uh, I was in elementary school, I guess, like in you know, third grade, whatever it was. And uh, she turned to me and she said, who's going to be the next president? And I said, Kennedy. And I have been 100% accurate with my presidential predictions up through, let's see, up through um, Obama. And then I, I quit. I think it was after Obama. Now it's a matter of public record that I made these predictions because I did them on radio. I did them with my clients. And I think the, uh, the one of the most fun public predictions I made was uh, uh, at the time, all the renowned, quote unquote, all the, the world famous psychics were predicting that uh, Gore would be president. And I said, no, no, Bush is going to be president. And I remember I was on this, uh, this one radio show and this woman got really haughty with me because she said, well, you know, so-and-so predicts Gore. And I said, well, it's going to be Bush. And she she said, well, I guess we'll see. And I said, yes, we will. We will see. And of course it was Bush. And then the psychics that predicted Gore, 
tried to explain it away by saying, oh, well, he was robbed or the votes were rigged or this, that, and the other. I, I made the prediction correctly, but he was robbed. Well, no, that don't count. If you make a prediction, it's got to come out, and mine did. So I predicted all the presidents correctly up through Bush and his re-election, Obama and his re-election, so on and so forth. And I finally, no psychic on the planet is 100% accurate. But I had what is your percentage? What would you if you had to put a number on there? What would you say it is? Well, uh, for me, my clients have given me feedback over the years that I'm eighty to ninety percent accurate, which is really darn good. It's really great. But that hundred percent presidential streak, I wanted to keep, and so I asked the guys on the other side. I said, "Hey, look, I've got a hundred percent accurate record here that's publicly verified, especially in later years." Can I keep that? Can I just stop predicting presidents yeah. and just keep that little stretch? And they were like, okay, yeah, you can have that kid. Okay, whatever. So I kept that. So I don't do presidential predictions anymore. But I think that was one of the greatest when I predicted uh, Bush over Gore and it stuck. And all the the big, famous, world-famous people had to, had to eat crow. The inf- where you're getting your information from, is it related at all? And I'm sure you're familiar with the Akashic Records. Uh, it is may, that where it's coming from? Uh, it, it may be. I don't know. I don't know for sure what all of these entities, intelligences, and spirits are accessing. I suspect that may be a part of it, and I suspect that they may be accessing things and information, things about the future, that we don't have an adequate understanding of how they're accessing that and how they're providing that information to us. When you are when you're connected, do you feel like any? Uh, you say they're always around, but when you're intentionally communicating, mm-hmm. trying to get some information, do you notice a uh, body temperature change at all? You ever noticed that? I haven't, but uh, it was. It's interesting that you asked that. We had uh, when we shot the uh, TV pilot for the History Channel. We may have been the first, and if not one of the first, but I think we may have been the first to use a FLIR camera that's forward-looking infrared radiation. And the FLIR camera on the setting we had had used it on when we were filming, and we caught paranormal uh, phenomena on that camera, by the way. When we were filming, we the setting was that if it was heat, it was white. And if it was uh, cold, it was black. And so in one of the areas that we were at, the uh, my producer came up and he had the FLIR with him. And I was off in this dark room. I'd wandered off by myself in this house. And I was standing there talking to the spirits. And they were talking back to me and they were answering. And he had walked up on me, unbeknownst to me. It was dark in there. And he had the FLIR camera on me. He was standing in the doorway. And he was shooting me with the FLIR camera. And he goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm talking to the spirits that are here. And he said, for whatever reason, the temperature of you and your surroundings just all of a sudden skyrocketed. It was visible on the flare. And I was laughing. I said, well, that's not too uncommon. I turned around. He was gone. <laughs> he had gotten out of there. Yeah, man. I can understand why he'd be concerned about it. Not any longer, though. I'm not even, I'm not concerned about any of this stuff. Yeah. I don't think there's, unless you're fearful. You know, if you're fearful, you're attracting fear. So that's, right. that is something to be right. concerned about. Um, do you meditate or breathe or any of that stuff? I, I do a lot of things. I have a lot of spiritual disciplines that I've followed over the years and, and still do. And I think it's essential to keep the the gift at its peak and to keep activated, to keep in touch with the other side and to keep close with that. I always tell people, I say, you know, people say, well, how can I get uh, better intuition, better guidance? How can I get closer to the other side? Well, our problem is we're plugged in. We have the the uh, earbuds and we're scrolling on the phone. We have music going. We have the TV going. Something's always going. And I tell people, I say, look, you got to stop all that. You got to get away from the computer, away from the cell phone, away from the earbuds, away from the music, away from the TV, and you have to get in silence. It's so true. And then when you're in that silence, then you can reach out to the other side and say, okay, I'm here. What do you have to say to me? And then shut up and listen. And that voice will come to you through intuition, through guidance, through dreams, whatever. But that guidance will be there. But you have to connect with that. And that's the best way to connect with that is to get quiet. And there's a lot of ways to do that. You can meditate. Uh, you can just sit and say, hey, I'm here. What do you got for me? And then get quiet and Go listen. In nature. There's a lot of techniques. The technique's not so important as the fact that you do it and do it regularly. And then when you get that guidance, 
that you listen to that guidance and obey that guidance. John, wouldn't you agree that those quiet moments are the best parts of our day? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Sadly, I don't think that most people are putting the efforts in to make this happen. And man, it makes such a big difference in your life in every single way. It makes a huge difference. It really does. Yeah. We get rid of the noise. We get rid of the confusion. We get rid of the, the hassle. We get rid of the freneticism. And we just get quiet. We get calm. We hear the birds sing. We, we watch the clouds go over. Uh, we, we connect, reconnect with the nature. We reconnect with our spiritual selves. We allow ourselves the quietness so that our spiritual guides can come in and speak to us, give us guidance, give us hope, give us inspiration, protect us. It's a, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. So I have a question for him. Sure. Talking sure. about being on the path. Um, yeah, that was one of my main questions. I wanted to make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, I feel pretty good about where I am, but you know, sometimes you can fool yourself just because you're having a good time. Sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, being on the right path. What more do I need to know right now? You know, I think right now, I think you're in a good, good position, Russ. I think you're, you're doing the right things at the right time. Don't second guess yourself. Don't be, in a rush to try and achieve something that don't, don't think that you should be okay. I achieved this. Now I should be here by this timeline. I should be here by this date. I should be here accomplishing this. Now don't put yourself on that kind of a timeline, allow spirit to lead you and to guide you and realize that this is a learning situation that occurs for the rest of your life, that there are going to be detours. There are going to be things, you know, the, the people, the entities, the intelligences that guide us on the other side see a lot further down the road than we do. And they can see things coming that we don't. And we don't always understand. You know, we want everything now. We want enlightenment now. We want pleasure now. We want this now. We want that now. And it just doesn't occur that way because now may not be the right time. And the other side may see that. And they may be telling us, just just wait, just be calm, just wait. And people in their spiritual growth process, they always assume they have to be doing something, got to be doing something, got to be experiencing something, got to be learning something. No, sometimes you need to go out to the restaurant, get a plate of Mexican food, and then go watch a movie. And that's the best spiritual thing you can do for yourself that day. It's not this constant process of something having to occur all the time. It's taking what we get, learning from that, applying that, and then waiting for the next thing. The next thing may come the next day, or it may come the next week, or it may come the next month. And in the process of waiting for that, it's important that we continue to do what we've learned. So I think you're you're okay where you're at, and just don't get frustrated and don't think that something has to be happening constantly. Just realize it's a process. It's a lifelong process. None of us ever get to, quote, unquote, the end. <laughs> We're never finished. We never master anything. And just enjoy the process on the way. That's the, that's the main thing is enjoy. I think you said it. When you said allow spirit to guide, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I, you know, every day I say, use me as a vessel for the highest good. There you go. And there you um, go. Whatever that takes. And, you know, it, some, lead me. some days spirit's going to send you down to get a, a cup of coffee at Starbucks, and that's going to be it. Yeah, every day doesn't have to be magical. Exactly. exactly. You, will humanity expand our consciousness? You know, every, we've been talking about this, and I guess you know, since for thousands <laughs> of years. Um, I wish. Do you, do, you know, do they think we're going to shift our energies to a new level of awareness anytime soon, or is this a long ways away? No, that's a long ways away, and all you got to do is look at history. You go back. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, uh, it was the dawning of the age of Aquarius. And we were going to have this universal enlightenment, this universal understanding, this universal peace, this universal love. Yeah, pandemics, war. (laughs) (laughs) So we haven't achieved that. We're not going to achieve that. That's a pipe dream. There's a constant battle between light and darkness and good and evil. And, and it's been that way forever. People don't. People need to go back and read history. They need to read religious history, spiritual history, psychic history, regular history. They need to go back and study and realize that as long as we have history, this has been the state of the world. And for everyone that comes along and proclaims, oh, we're entering this age of enlightenment, this age of spiritual growth. No, we're not. We haven't. 
and and we probably won't. It's this constant spiritual struggle, this this yin and yang, this light and dark. Let me this ask struggle you this, John. Between good and- from from my view. Like, and mm-hmm. uh, I do think it's a, a ways away before something like that were to happen. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. But long ways away. If you look at, um, I had a vision when I was 27 years old that opened up and helped me see how everything was connected. And when I started yeah. telling people about this, they, they were glossy eyed. They, you know, it was like they, some, they were interested and fascinated, but <laughs> not, couldn't really get involved in the conversation. Right. 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 Well, now, though. I mean, I see, I mean, like, it seems like it's on the, on the uptick where more people are able to jump into this conversation and add to it. That's something new yeah. to me over the last probably five, six years or so. It, um, you don't notice anything like that where there's actually, it seems like there's an opening where more people are beginning to just uh, be more open than what we were taught. Not now. Uh, prior to this time, uh, this time frame, yes. But now, like I said, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this. And it seems like now the pendulum's kind of swinging the other way. And psychics in particular, we're, we're being derided again and, and made fun of again and, and doubted and, and uh, disparaged uh, quite vociferously. And it's really funny. It's like... Uh, uh, you know, of, of all the interviews I've been on, I've been over in the past couple of years, over 140 interviews. I've, I've ran at the rate of like almost two a week for two years now. And I get to see the comments, especially on some of the, the ones that uh, I'm live on YouTube and they have a chat bar there and I get to see what people are saying. And even after the, the government did our little piddling UFO report several years ago and admitted, yeah, they're physical objects. Yeah, they're real. We don't know what they are. They're not ours. They're not theirs, blah, blah, blah. And even after they admitted that, our government admitted that, um, I, I saw several people that seemed to react against that revelation that the UFOs are, are here. They're real. They're physical objects. They're not ours. Uh, I seem to see a lot of people react to that in a very negative way, in a very hostile way, and just want to almost poo-poo it and just, you know, it's like, okay, uh, you know, uh, the psychic said this, so-so said this, uh, we've had all this for all these years, that's been all BS, but now our government says, yes, it's real, they're here, they're physical objects, they're not ours, and blah, 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 and it's like people reacted against that in a negative way, almost not wanting to believe it. And it seems like there's this this real, almost a hostility now uh, toward this. And I don't understand where that's coming from. I don't know if it's from a fear perspective, like, oh, God, if I acknowledge this, if I acknowledge it's real, you know, how does that affect my life? How does that change my life on this planet? Which is something we all have to face, we all have to acknowledge. So I I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, Maybe it's a fear-based thing. But uh, I, I do see a lot of uh, the pendulum swinging the other way, and it's becoming seemingly more and more difficult now uh, to talk to people about these things and to, to convince people of these things once again and to get people to, uh, to recognize and to at least just be open to these things. And especially as a psychic, you know, people denigrate psychics now almost as much as they did, you know, decades ago. And trying to just get someone to acknowledge, hey, maybe there's this possibility. And uh, I see a lot of people um, quoting the skeptics of old, like James Randi, whose life's mission was to destroy Uri Geller. And uh, I see a lot of these people resorting to things like that and talking about the frauds and the ponies and the fakes and the cons. And what I always tell people is like, look, just because something can be fake doesn't mean the real doesn't exist. You know, you can fake nearly anything, but that doesn't mean that the real doesn't exist. And you have to be open to that possibility and willing to accept the fact that, hey, maybe there is something out there that I don't understand that goes beyond our comprehension and, you know, that makes a difference in this world. Is there anything you could say to someone who is skeptic? Is there, have you come up with anything over the years of, is there any way at all to convince someone of this being legit? Oh God, I wish, I wish I had Russ, but unfortunately, no people that are going to decide to be skeptical are just going to be that way. And it's really interesting. The people that uh, quote unquote debunk things, 
uh, for the most part, they go in with their mind made up that there's no God, there's no spirit, there's no angels, there's no spirit guides, there's nothing supernatural, there's nothing paranormal, there's no psychics, it doesn't exist. And that's their mindset going in. So their mind's made up. So anything they experience, they're going to find a way to explain away. And and that's among the professional debunkers. And then among our like just normal everyday people. I remember we have, my wife and I had these friends. She had known these people uh, since she had gone to school uh, with, uh, with the woman. And then the woman got married. She remained friends with them for years and years. And this guy blasted me unmercifully and made fun of me for being a psychic. And I didn't care. And uh, he didn't believe in anything, didn't believe in anything supernatural, paranormal, whatever. So I asked him the question that I always ask everyone. And that is, if you're being absolutely, totally, completely honest, you're not going to BS me. You're not going to lie. You're not going to protect yourself. You're going to be honest. Haven't you had at least one uh, unnatural, paranormal, supernatural weird, whatever experience in your life that you couldn't explain by normal means. And if anybody's being honest, I got to say, yeah. So I asked this guy this and he said, nope. I said, okay, whatever. So uh, down the road, my wife went to visit with them and I was sick and had to stay home. And oh my God, Russ, if I had just been able to go and to be able to hear this firsthand, because while they were there, somehow the subject turned to the paranormal and this guy says, now he made fun of me for being a psychic. He said he had never experienced anything. And then in this conversation, he goes, well, you know, look, I see things all the time. I see people out of the corner of my eye. I turn, I look, and they disappear. The door opens and closes by itself, all this kind of stuff. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. But he goes, that's just my imagination. And I'm like, boy, if you're standing there and a door physically closes by itself and you talk about that to your imagination, you've got a heck of an imagination. Everyone so, at some level, and I agree, has a, a certain level of psychic ability, but right. we may not define it that way. Is right. there something you can think of as an example that most people might relate with that you would consider to be psychic? I think when, uh, when people have a very strong intuitive response to something, for example, uh, oh, there's there's going to be this party tonight, and I, I'm looking forward to going to this. A lot of my friends are going to be there, and there's going to be good music, and there's going to be good food, and there's going to be good drinks. And your little voice says, don't go. And you listen to that, and it wasn't necessarily the party, but you find out that the route you were going to take, about the time you would be there on this particular route, there was this massive wreck, and you would have been right in the big middle of it. So that's that's the thing. If people will learn to listen to that intuitive voice and obey that intuitive voice. There you go. There's that word again, yeah. intuitive. And that's I think more people relate to that than Probably, the psychic. Yeah. And maybe you guys just need to change your title. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, that's that's been bandied about over the years. My producer one time told me, he said, we have to come up with a different terminology. But it's so entrenched and it's something that people are familiar with. So you you just kind of have to go with that, you know. So if someone wanted to hone in on their psychic skills, what would you recommend be their first steps? I think the first step is to sit in the silence and reach out to the other side because we have to understand that this invisible realm and these entities and these spirits are around us all the time, right now, everywhere we're at. And just like radio waves going through the air, we're not aware of them. But if we get a radio and we plug it in, we turn it into the right station. Oh, there's a rock station or whatever. It's the same way with the. Yeah, we're stuck in the 3D realm. Same, yeah, it's the same thing with the other side. The spiritual realms around us all the time. And we just have to learn how to tune into that. And one of the best ways, again, is getting quiet and just asking that other side to manifest to you and to give you intuitive guidance and leading and and then just listen and be aware of that and realize that it may not come right then, may not come the next day, may not come the next week. But if you're consistent in that process, that's going to come to you. And that's that's the best way to start. I like that. OK, so my life in my life, I don't watch the news rarely. I'm, in fact, I haven't seen the news in multiple years now. And I generally listen to audio books about spirituality or something like that, or I'm meditating or I'm listening to binaural beats, frequency music. Right. I'm, I'm curious to know if my given attention 
to this activity, especially with my neural beats and frequency music. I mean, almost every day, all day. I'm wondering if this is benefiting me in any way by, um, for again, a lack of better words, raising my vibration, or am I mem- imagining this? No, you're not imagining it. There are several things that we can do. Um, you know, any kind of music is uplifting and raises our vibrations and connects us with the spiritual realm. Uh, I have a singing bowl that I use daily, and that's a, a valuable tool for connecting with more positive vibrations, raising the vibrations to positive realm, connecting with other things. So anything like that that we can do on a daily basis, and it does need to be on a daily basis because we need that constant reinforcement. We need that constant positivity coming into our life because, as you say, you don't watch the news, and that's a good thing because the news, if it bleeds, it leads, and the news is full of negativity and this and that. And look, this isn't denying reality. The world is a, is a vicious place. There are predators out there, both two-legged and four-legged. There are evil people out there. There are horrible things that happen. I mean, the earth itself uh, is full of cat- cataclysm that wipes us out. We have all these pandemics and everything else. But if that is your focus, then you uh, deprive yourself of the light that you need to make a difference in this world. And you don't deny the reality of the world, but you don't have to focus on it. Instead, you begin to focus on the things that can overcome that reality. And you focus on healing. You focus on light. You focus on happiness. You focus on positivity. Again, you're not denying the negativity, but you're not focusing on it. You're focusing on the positive. Man, John, you think so much like I do. It really is. It's, you know, they say we have 60,000 thoughts a day. Where are you spending your thought? Where are you spending yeah. your thoughts? Exactly That's right. That's how you're going to feel. Yeah. And you want to spend your thoughts on the positive things, the good things. And, and look, if you're saying, I'm going to accomplish this, I'm going to achieve this, I'm going to have this, and it doesn't work. At least you've been positive about it, and you can go back and you can go to spirit and you say, okay, where did I miss this? Was I not in my lane? Was I not in my niche? Where do, where do I need to go to fix this? What do I need to do to have this? So at least you're moving in a positive direction. You're focusing on positive things. You're doing positive things. And if we can get more people in that mindset, like you say, the meditation thing you're going to do, teach, so on and so forth, if you can get more people involved with that, and focused on that, then we begin to overcome this negativity. That's right. And we don't we don't deny the reality of it. It's, it's a there, numbers game. It. it really is a numbers game. The more people who believe a particular game. way are influencing the collective. It and is a so numbers that's game. The direction it is a numbers we, game. You know, and they have influence on the rest of us. Oh, absolutely. And the more people that are tuned into the negative views, the more negative energy goes out there in the world to propagate and to manifest. And the more we can get people to tune in to the positive, the more we can get that positive energy out there and begin to make a difference and and stop this negativity and, and reverse the negativity and you know make a positive difference in this world. But we have to believe that we can do that. We have to focus and concentrate on that. And it's um, that, that's where the battle is. How do you know when the information is done? When it's done? Yeah, like you, I ask you a question, and how do you know, okay, he's received everything that's here that I have to offer from the, from the guides? Well, that's a temporary thing. It's, it works for that moment, for that reading. And then down the road, there's more. There's more direction. There's more information. There's more learning. There's more knowledge. There's more to do. Right. So well, I guess what I'm asking though is like if you're yeah. if you're giving a reading with someone and you're, you you sure. um, like I ask you what my purpose should be and then yeah. you give me the information. How do you know when right. it's complete? How do you know you finished the answer? Do you feel something well, the, or do they they stop talking? Or? The other the other side gives me that, and if it's a finite thing where like it's okay, this is what you're supposed to do right now for X number of years. Then I get that and I pass that on to them and, and that's it. But we also have to understand that all this is very open-ended. We can be at the right place, right time, doing what we're supposed to be doing right now and maybe for five, ten years to come. And then ten years down the road, guess what? You're supposed to take a 180-degree left, you know, 
and, and do something else. So we always need to be open and receptive to whatever's going on because things are in flux and things do change. And I've seen that in my own life. I've, I've had my life. I thought, well, I've, I've got it figured out. I know where I'm going. I know what's happening. The other side was like, yep. Put on the seatbelt and hang on, Jack. It's fixing to get real. Oh, believe you know? me. I've had it happen to me, too. I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. Man, we don't have yeah. much time here. Um, just a few more questions. I do want to talk a little bit about your paranormal sure. stuff, too. But um, sure. can you, I want you to tell me what you think this was. This is paranormal. My biggest paranormal experience was, uh, you might have heard of it, maybe. Uh, it's called the Bingham Light in Lata, South oh, yeah. Carolina. There's... There's this legend of this guy that's um, so it's out. No, let me just tell you my quick story. I won't tell sure. the whole story because I, I have one of my podcasts covers this. But we went out to the edge of a swamp and we had to raise hell in order to get this entity or whatever to mm-hmm. wake up. And suddenly uh, there's this way off in the distance. There's this little bee speck of light. And my buddy says, that's it. And anyway, over about 45 minutes, we ended up raising hell at this, whatever this <laughs> thing is. And it is weaving through the trees, over the right. swamp, in and out of the trees, coming in our yep. direction. Yep. Brightest light I think I've ever seen, and it's changing colors. Um, I remember red, white, and blue. Some of the other guys, we, we had a, that's the only discrepancy we had mm-hmm. this thing. And it got up to, I don't know how many hundreds of yards away, but we had had enough. I seen just enough. It went from a pitch dark night into, it illuminated the entire yep. swamp. I could see every tree right. pretty much. What right. the heck is something like that? Yeah, no. We have energies out there. There are entities, intelligences, there are beings that can manifest enormous power. And when we connect with that, uh, where most times we're not prepared for that, or we don't understand that, we don't understand that there are these powers out there, these forces, these intelligences that can manifest these incredible, incredible experiences to us. And that's what we're experiencing. We have this concept that we're the alpha on this planet. And in some ways we are, but we have to understand that we're dealing with energies and powers and intelligences in the invisible realm that sometimes manifest physically, visibly, that are way more powerful than we are, uh, that, that connect with energies and powers and abilities to demonstrate that are so far beyond what we're able to even think about. Hey, look, think about. before before that happened, I was just starting, you know, at 17, I, I'd started questioning my, my yeah. upbringing. And, and this was, uh, yeah. I think I was around 20 when this right. took place. That day, it really woke me up. Like, yeah, man, there's way more out here than any of there's us. There's way more out there than what we think there is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What's the wildest thing you've ever seen? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I've had way, way, way over a thousand of physical paranormal manifestations. But one of the things that always sticks with me was when I was a kid, um, I, I grew up in West Texas and of course, hotter in Hades there in the summer. And this old car we had didn't have air conditioning. So you left the windows rolled down during the day cause you couldn't get in. Otherwise you couldn't breathe. And uh, my mother and I had gone up to the North part of town to visit these friends of ours. And these friends of ours had a vacant lot across the street full of dry brush and mesquite trees and all this kind of cactus and all this kind of stuff, which was common at the time in in the town. And during summer, it was our typical drought type conditions and not much rain. Everything was dry as a bone, so prone to fire. And uh, my mother and I pulled up in our old car and we pulled up in front of their house and we parked right in front of their house facing the wrong way which would get you a ticket now. Back then, I don't guess people cared. So we were facing that vacant lot across the street from them. So we went in. They had a kid about my age, and we played, and my, my mother visited with them. And along about the uh, the darkest stage of twilight, early stage of twilight, where you just need to use your car headlights to, to see, turn on, uh, we left and uh, walked out to our car. And uh, I remember the, the folks stood at the the door and watched us get in the car and wave goodbye. And then they closed their, their front door and falling down from the sky as my mother started the car falling down from the sky in front of us was this large pentagram, this five pointed star. It was about maybe a foot or two thick. It was flat and uh, it was glowing yellow and it fell in slow motion 
in front of us down into this vacant lot. It was trailing a little phosphorus trail with it. And I said, Mom, look. And I didn't even say, Mom, look, because obviously she saw it. This thing's falling down into this vacant lot. And my mother was terrified. She's like, John, my God, lock the lock the doors, roll up the car windows. So I'm, I'm hopping in the back seat and rolling up the windows and locking all the doors and everything. I said, but look, we need to go see this thing. She's like, she's terrified. She's like about to get out of there. So she puts the car in gear to go. And I said, wait, wait, wait. I said, if this thing falls down into that vacant lot, you know, it's hot and dry. And if this thing's any kind of a, has any kind of fiery capabilities or properties to it, won't it set the lot on fire and wouldn't our friends be in danger? Shouldn't we wait and watch and see what happens? So she said, well, yeah, okay, I guess so. So we sat there and we watched this thing fall in slow motion down into the middle of this vacant lot among the trees and the scrub and the brush. And then the glow just faded in upon itself and winked out and that was it. And she tore out of there like a bat out of hell. And of course I asked her a Judean question she couldn't answer. And uh, to this day, that remains to me of all the experiences I've had, one of the most memorable, but you know, like I say, that's kind of like choosing a favorite kid. I've had way, way, way over a thousand uh, paranormal experiences on the on the physical realm. A lot of times witnessed by other people. We've caught them uh, with audio, video, uh, you know, photographs, on and so forth. So, uh, but that's one of the most memorable. Yeah, as I listen to this story, it makes me realize when people hear me tell this little ball of light thing that I tell, it's just not the same. You know, when you don't experience it, it's kind of hard. Yeah. It's like trying to convince somebody of something they didn't experience. I mean, you know, it's impossible, exactly. really. Exactly. But, man, once you yeah. have an experience like this, it will change the way you view it things. It will like change that. your life. It will change your viewpoints. It mm-hmm. will change the way you look at things. I think it's a, an old Polish proverb. I think it's Polish. And it says, you'll know it's true when it happens to you right absolutely yeah which brings me to what's the scariest thing you've seen um you know i've I've never seen anything scary that really frightened were you ever in a situation where you just felt so uncomfortable you had to get the heck out of there no no never got it and that kind of backs up that you there is no you you just don't fear just don't step into fear and then you have nothing to worry about um how do you believe all of this is connected to spiritual understanding well, you know, we, we don't know. We have a very incomplete picture and we're, we're striving and we're working and we're trying to understand. We're trying to get that picture. And that's what people have been doing for decades, for hundreds of years, thousands of years. And we just don't have it for whatever reason. But that doesn't keep us from, from striving, from trying to understand, from trying to learn. And, um, you know, I think we have made some progress. I think we have done some good and I think we've scratched the surface and there's a long, long, long way to go yet. I only have a couple more questions for you. And I want to know what you believe happens when we die. I believe that we leave our bodies, that we know we have left our bodies, that we're on the other side. I believe that our, our friends, families, loved ones uh, that have gone before us are there to greet us. I believe our guardian angels, spirit guides, whatever, are there to greet us. And then I believe from there we get introduced, inducted to this other realm, and we begin to learn how to work in that realm, what we're supposed to do. We decide okay, well, hey, I'm going to go back and visit Aunt Martha and let her know I'm there. I'm going to watch over my daughter. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, of course, opportunities to learn and grow in that spiritual realm. We move on from there. But uh, we know we're there. We're over there. We're not earthbound. We don't have to be sent to the light. We've been to the light. We know we're there. If you're out of the body, you're there. You know what's funny? What you're describing is um, we're here now. Yeah. We're there now. There you go. We're just in a different realm. Exactly right. Of exactly right. Energy. And that realm can interact with this realm. And that's what we need to understand. And then. Uh, yeah, I've heard it described sometimes as if, um, if you can imagine, you know, it, it doesn't appear anyone's around you, but there very well could be someone right beside you in this very moment. Oh, absolutely. So, there, there are around yeah. everyone. Because you're, again, you're, you're saying they are absolutely there. Absolutely. They are there all the time. Okay, my friend, gosh, I have enjoyed this so much. You say you have audio and video of this stuff online, and there people can go listen to some of these EVPs that you've collected, right. and you have your book for sale. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, go to johnrussell.net. That's my main website for my psychic readings and everything. Also on there, when the page loads, you'll see my picture, 
And on either side, there's a you know, book cover for each of my books. You can click on those, go to Amazon, uh, get the books there. My books are available everywhere online, literally Walmart, Target, uh, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, uh, Apple Books. Uh, and uh, you can get them in the UK. You can get them everywhere. They're available online everywhere. And I highly recommend that people read these books because I have written in these books what it's like to actually grow up psychic, to have these experiences, what it's actually like to interact with the other side, not the quote-unquote destination fear nonsense and those types of things, but what it is actually like to interact with this realm and how it can benefit us, how it can protect us, how it can serve us, and how it can help us to help others. You know, John, I just remembered I left something out, and this is probably be a longer conversation than we could have today. So maybe I can get you back sometime. Sure. I would love to oh, have absolutely. you back. But you, you, you recommend a book. I purchased it today, and I'm not remembering the name of it. You recommend this all the time. I've heard you on multiple occasions. It's something about the healing. Yeah, the art of the art of true healing. That's it. Yeah. yeah. What is it about this one? Well, it's uh, it's a book that works. It's practical, and it works. And people are always looking for the magic button or the magic wand or whatever. That doesn't exist. But if you're willing to take something that does work and apply it daily and put effort and energy into it and continue with it, you'll see results. And I've had, uh, I had one of the most dramatic things that I experienced. Long story short, I had a client come to me in stage four cancer. One of the best cancer doctors in the nation had sent her home to die. I said, you got two weeks, go home and prepare. She came to me, very, very long story short. Uh, the other side told me it wasn't her time and gave me this, the information in this book to give to her to apply in a specific way. And I said, if you do that, you'll be cured in a year. And she was, she went back to the doctor and uh, there are markers in your body when you've had cancers, when they do blood tests that show you had cancer, even if you're in remission, cured or whatever. And when she went to the doctor, she said, not only am I cured, there were no markers in my blood test to indicate that I ever had cancer. So spiritual healing for physical issues is absolutely possible. We need to understand that. It's a very small book. I think I noticed it was 25 pages or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's not very long. It's a, it's an excerpt from the author's larger work. And uh, it's it's just you, you can't beat it for healing. Yeah, man. Well, fantastic. John, I have enjoyed this so much. I, I hope that you will come back too. sometime. I really do. Uh, thank you, Russ. I'll be back. And uh, you holler at me. We'll, we'll do it again anytime. I've enjoyed it so much. I appreciate it. Hope all the listeners enjoy it. And uh, we'll, we'll do it again. Well, I certainly enjoyed it. And John, yeah, man, thank you again. And listen, if you're one to be on the show, I would love to hear your belief systems. I don't care what your faith is, whether you don't believe in anything. I really want to hear you tell your story about why you believe what you believe. Call me now at 864-259-2599 or reach out to me on my website at rushjohnson.com. It's all connected. Thanks for listening.